Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's Tuesday, September 26th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Guardians begin the final home series of the 2023 regular season tonight at Progressive Field when they welcome the Cincinnati Reds, the battle for the Ohio Cup. Uh, it's Terry Francona's final home uh, series as manager of the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, everybody will be sort of aware of what's going on with that. Still nothing official from Francona about retirement, but he's done everything outside of officially saying, yes, I'm done uh, at the at the end of this regular season. Uh, it's going to be an, an emotional homestand, I think, for a, a lot of people in and around the club. Uh, I think the one person who won't be affected by uh, a lot of it will probably be Tito. Yeah, Joe, I think, uh, you know, I think he's come to terms with this. You know, he told us in August that he was at peace with the decision. I mean, you could see his whole uh, personality change in dealing with uh, the media after he made this decision. He just kind of looked like he took a deep breath, had the weight of the world off his shoulders and, uh, you know, just uh, seemed to relax. So, yeah, I, I don't think, you know, he's been preparing for this. But you never know, you know, last couple games, everybody, you know, has a tug on their heart. So, uh We'll see how he reacts. Yeah, I'm sure that there's, you know, there's going to be on Wednesday night uh, a, a lot of people in the stands wearing T-shirts that say "Thank you, Tito," and they're going to play a, a video tribute to, you know, sort of looking back at his uh, 11 years uh, at the helm here. Uh, I, I'm sure at some point it might choke him up a little bit, but you know, he's never been one to to sort of let on in in, in that way that you know something's affected him. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll get to hear about it afterwards. Uh, and, and by the time we get to Detroit at the, the end of the week, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't imagine that it's going to affect anything, uh, you know, that goes on between the lines during the game. Uh, you know, the, the players have had an opportunity over the last several weeks to, to sort of win one for Tito and, and, and play their hearts out that way. And, you know, the results have been sort of up and down in that regard. Uh, so I, I, you know, I don't know how much of an emotional catalyst, uh, this will be uh, might it might, you know, turn up a notch uh, at the end of the week when they're playing Detroit. And, you know, the Miguel Cabrera uh, circus is, is going on over there. Uh, we'll just have to see how that all plays out. Yeah, for sure. You know, right now, you know, you just they've got five games left. 
uh, these two against Cincinnati. And uh, the Reds certainly have a lot to uh, play for right now, Joe. They're they're two and a half games out of uh, the last wild card spot. They would have to uh, leapfrog over uh, Miami to get there, uh, you know, to catch the and uh, to catch the Cubs. And uh, so these two games are very very important for the Reds. Yeah, and it's appropriate that the Reds are are here and and sort of helping uh, all of us uh, send Tito off. Uh, you know, this is a, a team that uh, Tito's very familiar with. You know, he played for the Reds in the in the late 80s. Uh, the, the Reds are managed by uh, David Bell, the son of one of Tito's very close friends and Buddy Bell. Uh, there are a lot of connections all over the place. And, you know, we, we get to see Will Benson, uh, you know, come back to, to Progressive Field a year after he was part of that uh, uh, playoff run with the Guardians last year. Uh, and this was a guy who was a, a top draft pick of this organization. Uh, and, and since they let him go, uh, he's, he's done pretty well for himself uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, so, you know, all over the place, there's going to be uh, familiarity and, and, and uh, I think a, a lot of uh, competitiveness because uh, these are these are guys that, you know, from February until uh, until the end of March, uh, you sort of you're you're around these guys all the time in in Arizona, so uh, the, the two franchises, the two clubs, know each other very well. Yeah, they've split two games this season. Uh, you know, the, like you said, the Ohio Cup is at stake. Uh, oh Cleveland man, was... how could I forget about the Ohio <laughs> Cup? The importance of the Ohio Cup. Yeah, and, and uh, Cleveland has dominated this series, seventy-two to fifty-seven. Uh, you know, the, the Ohio Cup, Joe, one time they lost the, the Indians. Then the Indians lost the Ohio Cup or someone walked away with it out of their old offices at the <laughs> at the old stadium. I don't know if that one was ever recovered. Yeah, well, uh, the, the actual trophy itself was was lost. Yeah, yeah. Oh, someone man. walked away with it. Well, and, and also, you know, we uh, they're also playing uh, the guys on the field are playing for the uh, the Frank Robinson uh, Ohio Cup Player of the Year Award. That's the the MVP uh, of the series every year. So, uh, you know, it's an award that uh, Jose Ramirez has won a couple of times. It's, you know, basically the guy who performs the best over the four games of the of the series every year. Uh, so, yeah, there is there is something to play for. And there is, uh, you know, certainly for the Guardians, uh, they're still trying to to finish second in uh, in the division. They've got uh, uh, Detroit. Uh, you know, coming after them uh, from third place there, they're only a half game up. Yeah, this is, you know, after you get, they've got to play well here, and then they go to Detroit for three games to finish the the season at Comerica Park. And you're right, Joe. I mean, uh, uh, Cleveland is 74 and 83 right now going into the uh, Red Series. The Tigers are 73 and 83, you know, a half game back. Uh, Cleveland is five and five over the last 10. Uh, but has, has lost two straight, and the Tigers are six and four. And Joe, you, the Tigers, uh, Tigers, you know, people have said at the start of the year that you know they people you you might you might keep have to keep an eye on Detroit, and they played they played uh, they've outplayed Cleveland since the All Star break. Uh, Cleveland has gone twenty nine and thirty eight since the break, and the Tigers are thirty four and thirty three. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, this, the, the, the Detroit club is, uh, getting better and they're going to be, they'll probably be a team to be reckoned with next year. Yeah. And, and I remember, uh, you know, back before the season started, I, I, I thought, you know, there was, 
there was a, a chance and a potential for the Guardians to to come through and, and you know possibly win the the division at the beginning of the year. And then I also said that you know if they don't win the division that they they could wind up finishing third because I think Detroit's a much improved team, and and they've gotten younger. They've they've uh, got some players that regularly uh, just uh, you know compete very well against uh, the Guardians every time they see them. So uh, yeah, it's sort of that you don't want to give Detroit heading into the off season any sort of confidence or any sort of uh, you know just sort of bravado as they, uh, you know, head into the offseason to prepare for looking ahead to next year, giving them a, an opportunity to think, hey, why can't we contend for uh, the division title next year as well? Uh, and, and what has it been every year since uh, since 2012, I think, or every year? Since, the last time the Guardians, the last time Cleveland finished third in the division was, what, 2015? 2015, yeah, 2015 and 2014, I think they finished third in consecutive years. And uh, Joe, Detroit has dominated this series this year. They're seven and three against Cleveland. That's, uh, you know, it's real interesting just just to see how uh, what the Guardians went 16 and 16 overall against the American League East. Obviously, a a, a tougher division, a division with uh, you know some with, that's going to qualify, uh, you know potentially three teams to the to the playoffs uh and you know against their own uh division against their own uh you know rivals in their own division like Detroit uh they didn't do as well uh this year overall so they've already lost the season series so um just real interesting to to see how uh that all shakes out I want to mention to our our listeners uh about subtext uh as we go through this uh this upcoming week with uh, all the news about Tito and uh, just where the Guardians are in terms of uh, the standings and uh, heading towards the the off season, uh, you want to be signed up for subtext. It's three ninety nine a month uh, to get text updates and send your questions uh, and your thoughts about uh, Terry Francona's tenure with the Guardians and in, in, in Cleveland. Um, you can share that with us uh, via text. Uh, sign up by going to cleveland.com slash subtext or by sending a text message to 216-208-4346. Hoinsey, uh, we want to look ahead, uh, you know, at, at some of these big questions that we have. And, you know, we, we, we sort of posed it by asking ourselves, you know, what do we need to learn about this team? And what can we learn about this team over these last five games? Uh, but I really think uh, it's, it's the second half of this season that you have to sort of take a look at and and ask yourself, you know, what has has the second half of 2023 told us about these Guardians and, and what they need to do in the offseason in order to get better? One of the big questions uh, that was, you know, sort of came up after the trade deadline was how did Gabriel Arias, uh, you know, present himself and, and perform in order to, you know, maybe be the guy to, to be in line for the starting shortstop job next year? Yeah, you know, and, you know, obviously he got the uh, lion's share of the playing time after Med Rosario was traded to the Dodgers at the end of uh, July. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, Joe, you know, defensively, as you know, the story has been all year, he's played very well wherever you play him. Uh, you know, he's a pretty talented defender, great arm, uh, good range. Uh, you know, you know, he's, you know, he looks like he's a shortstop out there. You know, offensively, it's been a different, different uh, story. You know, he struggled a bit 
You know, he's, he's done okay against right-handers, uh, you know, uh, over 280. But, you know, this guy is only – he's not even hitting 100 against left-handers. And you got to wonder, can you go with a starting shortstop that can't hit a left-handed pitcher? Uh, you know, I think, obviously, you know, the Guardians – believe that's going to improve he's only 23 years old uh so but you stick with him what while you have a guy like brian rocchio you know sitting in uh, at triple a who was uh, you know the clippers uh you know minor league player of the year or uh do you you could also uh, move o- move over jimenez from second to short as well so they've got some options there and it's really going to be interesting to see how this unfolds the thing that might you know, save areas and, and keep him at shortstop is his power, Joe. What do you think? Yeah, I, he hits the ball harder. Uh, exit velocities are a lot higher than, uh, you know, guys like Rocchio, guys like Tyler Freeman, uh, that that will, uh, you know, be a, a plus in his his uh, favor. But uh, I don't know about moving Jimenez over because what he's shown over the last several weeks uh, defensively at second base you know, uh, it, it it's going to be hard to move him off of there, especially if he wins his second consecutive gold glove. Uh, and a lot of it's going to depend on who's sitting in the manager's chair. And, and you know, it, it's it's great that if, if for him to, you know, perform well now and uh, sort of impress Terry Francona, but Terry Francona is going to be the guy making those decisions and penciling him in the lineup uh, on a regular basis next season. So, it's it's really about what kind of impression can you leave for the next guy in that seat, and uh, you know and that all remains to be said. Until that question is answered, I don't think we can answer any questions about uh, you know positions on the field, uh, particularly at shortstop or in the outfield, where you know you know you've got Stephen Kwan for for one of those three spots, and really it could be any of those three spots. But uh, you know the other two, do you do you want to you know? You move Miles Straw out of center field, make him a fourth outfielder. Do you? How much playing time does a new manager give Will Brennan? Uh, you know, we know Tito has uh, you know an, an affinity for for Will Brennan just because of the way he goes about his business. But is that going to be enough to impress uh, a new guy coming in and and get at bats and playing time for Will Brennan? Yeah, both uh, r- really good questions there. You know, and is Quan the left fielder? Is he the center fielder? Uh, you know, what do you do in the two other spots? Can you bring some more uh, run production in? Will, uh, you know, Brennan improve offensively as a run producer, you know, with a, with a year, full year under his belt? Uh, you know, lots of questions. And uh, like you said, Joe, I mean, a lot is going to depend who the new, next manager is. But, Joe, like we've seen, you know, we know. Whoever the new manager is, you know, he's going to find out real soon that this isn't going to – they're not going to just uh, make a wish on the free agent tree and, and uh, pull the, you know, the best hitter out of there. They don't do that in Cleveland. They've, they've rarely done that in Cleveland. So, you know, you're going to have to go with home homegrown products. And, uh, you know, so, you know, th- I, you know that, that it's going to be a, interesting to see what they decide to do in the outfield, especially. That's a that's a big question mark going into the offseason. My, my big hypothetical, my big uh, sort of fantasy scenario is uh, Aaron Boone gets let go by the Yankees and he, he becomes the, the next Guardians manager and he comes over and uh, he he goes to, to, to fill out his lineup the first day and he realizes that he doesn't have a two hundred forty million dollar payroll uh, and. <laughs> You know, he's he's looking around for a right fielder and, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, 
sticker shock in terms of uh, of that scenario. But that's exactly what you're talking about, that that, that kind of uh, approach. They're going to need somebody to come in uh, to that manager's office and, and you know, have uh, you have have his eyes wide open like Tito did from the very beginning uh, when when Chris Antonetti told him it's it's not like being in Boston where uh, you can write a check and, and, you know, explain away your problems that way in, in a lot of cases or, uh, you know, uh, you know, cut a guy who's got a lot of, uh, you know, contract left and, and uh, you know, they have to account for all of that here. It, it's a different way of doing business than it always has been. Uh, among those questions, I think uh, that were answered uh, in the second half of this season, Bo Naylor pretty much cementing himself as the uh, the first option behind the plate for this franchise. Uh, but a guy like David Fry, uh, who's, you know, sort of up in the air in terms of what his position is, you know he has value. You just don't know what that value is and, and how it's going to be seen by another coach or another coaching staff or another manager. Uh, does uh, If Bo Naylor is your, your number one, uh, can David Fry be your number two, or does he have to be a third option? You know, I think he can be the number two. He certainly hasn't hurt himself, you know, when he has caught. You know, he just hasn't caught a lot with Cleveland, I don't think. He really didn't catch that much at Columbus before he got called up. Uh, he's caught a lot more in the big leagues than he has anywhere else. But, I think he caught, you know, he, I think he caught more in the minor in the minor league system in Milwaukee than he did here. But he's really gotten some a lot of playing time, valuable playing time behind the plate. I see no reason why you couldn't uh, have him as your backup, and plus he gives you versatility, Joe. Right, but with that versatility, you know, you can't be running your number two catcher out there to play right field once a week or you know, play first base once a week, it, it would only have to, it could only be in like in-game sort of substitutions that, that he uses that versatility. But you wouldn't be able to, you're not going to start Bo Naylor behind the plate and David Fry in right field or, or left field, uh, you know, once or twice a week because you you risk getting, you know, your backup catcher hurt and then you have to make a move anyways. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that, that that's true, I guess. But, I, you know, maybe he's a utility guy that that is your third option behind the plate, like you were you were suggesting. Uh, but then you go then you stuck with three catchers again. You know, but I, I don't think uh, Fry is necessarily. He's, well, we know he's strictly not a catcher, just a catcher. You know, he, that versatility certainly helps him and, and it would help a club, too. And there, you know, you always you're always looking for an emergency catcher. And you've already got one here with more experience than most emergency catchers. Uh, speaking of emergencies, uh, let's start with the back end of the bullpen first. Uh, you know, work our way forward to the starters. Uh, Emmanuel Classe, uh, he's been a four alarm fire at times this season, but uh, he's also been uh, the, you know, the best closer in, in, in baseball over the last two years uh, in terms of consistency and production. Uh, and maybe not consistency this year, but uh, 12, bull, 12 blown saves leads all of baseball. 42 uh, converted saves also leads all of baseball. Uh, are the Guardians going to get help for Emmanuel Classe in the offseason? Uh, we, we've talked on this podcast before about how Ronaldo Lopez just looks so good in that setup spot. But Ronaldo Lopez is a luxury that maybe this club can't afford. Yeah, I, I would think they're going to have to uh... – they're going to have to find a guy like Lopez. They're going to have to really push hard to keep him. 
you know, just, uh, you know, help, uh, Stefan in the ninth, in the eighth inning and, and hopefully class A in the ninth inning. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't see how you, you, your closer can keep throwing 70, 70 plus, uh, making 70 plus appearances a year. I just, you know, I, I just don't see, I think that ends badly for a class A and, and the guardians. Yeah. And, uh, for what it's worth, uh, around the clubhouse, these last couple of weeks, Ronaldo Lopez, very happy, very content, very comfortable, uh, very friendly, uh, sitting between his locker sits between Emmanuel Classes and uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, to his to his right is Class A, to his left is is Ramirez, and the three of them are thick as thieves, uh, you know, at all times. Uh, maybe Jose pushes and, and tells Lopez, hey, you know, we need you back here. Uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, you know, take whatever deal they're offering. Uh, it doesn't usually work that way. Usually no. the, uh, <laughs> the, the almighty dollar, uh, you know, usually wins out in that way. But, uh, if, if it were a question of where is Ronaldo Lopez very comfortable, I think, uh, seated where he is right now in that clubhouse, he's, he's quite comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, the thing is with those late inning relievers, you know, they go where the big money is, you know, the, that's that get those teams with big payrolls really have an advantage when it comes to assigning the premier setup guys or late inning guys they can you know and and it leaves teams like Cleveland kind of scrambling a little bit to uh piece together a bullpen uh guys like Eli Morgan, Nick Sandlin, uh Xavier Curry uh what what do you see the the future holding for them are are they a part of the mix for the bullpen for next year? Oh, I think so, Joe. I think so. You know, uh, you know, I think they both had their moments, good and bad. You know, Eli Morgan has, uh, you know, been pretty consistent. Both of them have, you know, they get, you know, Sandlin gets hurt by the long ball at times, but, uh, you know, I like both of those guys. I think Sandlin's a good matchup guy, uh, you know, with, uh, against righties and, uh, Eli is, uh, you know, came up with that, uh, what, what was it? The sinker? Or the, I, I forget. Uh, yeah. He's, he's- He's thrown his slider a lot more this year. Yeah, slider a lot more. I think that's helped him. You know, I think he's been used a lot to, toward the end of the season here, and might, that might be uh, kind of catching up to him. But I like I like the way he's – I like his the season he's put together. Yeah, I think Xavier uh, Curry has also uh, carved out a spot for him uh, himself on this roster uh, in that bullpen. Uh, they like the flexibility that he gives them. Uh, the, the big question I think in the off season is, uh, the problem child, what are they going to do with James Karinchak and, and is, you know, is his time on this roster, uh, short? Yeah. You know, he, you know, Karinchak is an interesting guy. He's been up and down a bunch of times. They want him to control the running game better. They want him to, uh, you know, throw more strikes, be more consistent. Um, you know, when he's on, you know, he's very, very good. He's a, and uh, I just I, I don't know if you give up on an arm like that, Joe, just because, you know, he's had kind of, a you know, an up and down season. You know, those guys that throw 95, 96 miles an hour are, you know, are, are hard to find. And he's your guy. He's a homegrown guy, um, you know. So I, I would think they'd give him another look. You know, he's he's not expensive. He's not going anywhere. He's not a free agent. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's eligible uh, for arbitration, but he's probably close to arbitration, yeah. I would think. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know if that plays a part in it. Does he get non-tendered? But I would think, uh, 
if push come to sh- came to shove, I think they would want him back next year and and take a look at him, you know, for a spot in a pen. Yeah, that'll be a, an interesting question to ask uh, Chris Antonetti after the season is over. Uh, you know what the the future could hold for James Karinchek is, uh, yeah, I'm sure we won't get a, a straight answer on that uh, one way or another. Uh, that uh, to wrap it up here, uh, give me your way too early. Uh, look at what a projected Guardians starting rotation could be, uh, and does it include all three of the uh, the, the fine rookies who had uh, produced for the club this year? Well, I guess we got to do it a couple different ways. <laughs> if if Bieber is still here, I think they'll try to trade him this winter. But if Bieber is still here, I you know you go with Bieber, Tristan, Quantrill, uh, and then uh, Bybee and Williams. If not. You know, I think you go with Tristan, Quantrill, um, Williams, Bybee, and, and you slide Allen in there, providing, you know, he's healthy and, and Bybee's healthy. Yeah, I, I think that's the big question in the offseason is, uh, will they be able to trade uh, Shane Bieber? I, I personally, I don't think they get it done. Uh, I think it's uh, another frustrating uh, sort of dance like they had in the past with uh, with Corey Kluber, with uh, Trevor Bauer trying to deal uh, guys like that in the offseason and, and never really uh, getting the the value that they are, are seeking in those kind of deals. Um, I, I think uh, they open the season with Bieber and, and go maybe a, a, a couple of months with him. Maybe they deal him before the trade deadline. Maybe they deal him at the trade deadline. Uh, but one way or another, he will not finish the uh, the 2024 season uh, in Cleveland, uh, that's that's for certain. Uh, and I think the rotation shakes out pretty much that way. Uh, like you said, I, I think maybe we get a look at a guy like a Joey Cantillo at some point uh, during the season next year, uh, probably not until May or later, probably after May. But, uh, you know, I, I think for sure at some point we see Joey Cantillo make a start for the Guardians uh, next season. And, uh, you know, we go from there. We, we see how, how deep the, uh, the pitching factory can run. And, and don't forget, uh, Daniel Espino will be, uh, you know, on his road to recovery. And, and hopefully, uh, if he is, uh, you know, remains a starter, you know, maybe he's an option in the, in the rotation at some point down the road. Uh, probably not next season, but maybe the year after. Yeah, and you've got you know Curry who's who pitched really well this year, and you know in a bunch of different roles, and Hunter Gaddis, uh, ditto kind of pretty. I thought his last couple of starts were pretty good for for a guy that you know kind of bounced between Cleveland and and Columbus. I think he kind of acquitted himself pretty well, Joe. So you know I don't think starting pitching, you know, <laughs> probably <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I don't think that's going to be their problem. It certainly it certainly was this year when all three of those guys, the three of the starters, went down. But uh, you know they certainly you know found the replacements with those three young kids, and they kind of kept their nose above water. All right. Well, we're going to keep our nose above water for the next couple of nights here uh, as we open up the final home stand, uh, home series of the the season. Uh, we'll bring you uh, all the all the action and everything that happened uh, down at the ballpark on uh, tomorrow's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Hoinsey, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.